Well, good morning, y'all. How are we this morning? Everybody's warm and cozy. It does finally feel kind of Christmassy, which I like. Thanks, God, for that one on this first Sunday of Advent. Uh, If I haven't met you yet, my name is Whitney, and I am on staff here at Covenant, and I'm really happy to be with you all today. As we've talked um, already, we've uh, told you guys that today is our first Sunday of Advent, and Advent is this season. It's four Sundays that lead us up to Christmas Day. It's a season for us of preparation and preparing for becoming Christ, for us to look back and think through what it must have been like, and so thankful that Christ has come, that he was born. But really, I think it's also a great time for us to really look and see where we see Jesus within our own hearts and lives. Uh, that when Christ was born, it was Emmanuel, God with us, and so he is with us today within our own lives. It's this beautiful season for us to look at where Christ is in our own lives and then also just to prepare our hearts for when he will come again. Our scripture today that we're going to be using you all is in Isaiah. It starts in chapter 8, verse 21, uh, going through 9, verse 3. You guys, the book of Isaiah uh, is often used during Advent in that it is a book that is a prophetic book. It points us to the coming Messiah. The book of Isaiah has scripture all throughout it and is often used during Advent to point us towards Jesus. It was written hundreds of years before Christ was born. Um, And so it's this incredible book that we have to look at um, the coming Christ. So today we're going to be in Isaiah 8, 21. It'll be up on the screen and then I will uh, read us through this. So starting in verse 8, 21, this is the word of the Lord. It says, They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry, And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth, but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we gather here this morning, God, just confessing how desperately we all need hope in our lives. God, some of us are very similar to the people of Judah in this scripture. It seems like everywhere we look, there seems to be anguish and darkness and despair. We thank you, Father, that you are the God of nevertheless that says, even so, this will not go on forever. We thank you that this season of Advent is a season of hope. And Father, we ask you to come into this place today and to encourage our hearts, reminding us of the hope that we can find in Jesus and in him alone. Fill this place, O Lord. In Christ's name I pray, amen. 
So I love the holidays, like love them. And I'm talking like I get excited for the holidays. It's, it starts for me around September 1st. September 1st comes and I'm like, it's pumpkin time. Like I'm ready. Because for me, the holidays are like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. I just love them all, all together. They're my favorite. So September 1st, I start getting real itchy for decorating and, and all of that. And my husband, who's the level-headed one between the two of us, I talk about this every time I preach, Andrew's like, you know, it's 112 degrees outside and it doesn't feel very autumn-like, so let's wait. Let's wait till October 1st to buy the pumpkins and to do all of that. So all through September, I get really excited and I'm just sitting there and waiting. Then October 1st hits and it's like game on, like it's pumpkin time. So, and you guys, this is embarrassing. I'm telling you the truth, but it's embarrassing. I literally spent $100 on pumpkins this year. I'm th- and that's not a joke. That's a real thing. When I was leaving HEB, the guy was like, so are you ca- like hosting an event or like in charge of an event? And I was like, nope, this is just for my house. And he was like, you must have a huge house. And I was like, nope, it's 1,200 square feet. But, and he was like, where do they go? And I was like, I literally just put them everywhere. I put a pumpkin everywhere. I want you to wake up in the morning and see a pumpkin. I want you to go to the bathroom and whoop, there's a pumpkin. Like I, I love it. And it's part, and my mom is the same way. This is just kind of a, a thing we do. And so for every holiday, I go kind of bananas. And the, um, the problem is when you buy pumpkins on October 1st and you want them to last all the way through Thanksgiving is, man, that is a hard call for a pumpkin. Like you've got to really, we got to find some pumpkins with some fortitude. Like these pumpkins have to hang in there. And so I have pumpkins that rot, pumpkins that just literally deflate. I had one that just kind of, it, it, he just gave up. This pumpkin just gave up. He just quit. He just stopped trying. Um, but this year I had a new pumpkin adversary called the Woodland Creatures of Allendale. And I have lived in Austin for nine years, and I have had pumpkins all nine years I've lived here, but I have never had creatures eat and destroy every part of my pumpkin. I came home one day and there was a squirrel inside our pumpkin. He was just eating. He was having the best day of his life. So I asked my good friend Google what I should do about this. And I was like, Google, these squirrels are eating my pumpkins. It's making me mad. I need them to hold on till Thanksgiving. Google told me this, mix together some chili powder, some cayenne pepper, and put it all over your pumpkin. So I did. I was like out in the yard, like giving my pumpkins a good rub down of this spicy mixture certain that this would keep my pumpkins and my possums and my squirrels away. No, I really think they were like, ooh, spicy pumpkin, this is delicious. Like, it even felt like they like went more after it after I did that, like they loved it. So I went back to Google and I was like, that didn't work. And Google was like, okay, so here's another option, spray hairspray on your pumpkins. So I looked like a crazy person in my yard spraying Aquanet on my pumpkins, waving at the neighbors, hi. And they were like, what are you doing? I was like, the squirrels, and they all just shook their head at me. I was certain that like the hairsprayed pumpkins were gonna probably deter the squirrels. Nope. It was like a lovely glaze on my pumpkins. They probably thought, I mean, they thought it was a banquet. They loved it. So my pumpkins didn't quite make it all the way to Thanksgiving. But even so, after Halloween, I get really, really itchy to decorate for Christmas. Like that starts to happen. But I love Thanksgiving and I like want to honor the pilgrims. So I continue to leave out whatever fall things I have. I have a turkey nutcracker that I put out and pilgrim little candlesticks and we hold on. But as soon as Thanksgiving Day is over, really not even then, like for me, it's during the Macy's parade, as soon as Santa comes out, 
Christmas is here. And I get so excited, and so the music starts, and I mean, I'm talking on Friday, you guys, it was game on. Like, Andrew was, it was cold on Friday and rainy, and my husband was up on the roof all day making sure our lights were perfect. Like, we go hard for this. I spent all day Friday changing out my Thanksgiving things, throwing away my rotted pumpkins, putting out Christmas. I have Christmas dishes. I change out all my dishes and put like Christmas dishes out. And it really looks like Christmas has just walked into our house and gone blah, because it is everywhere. It's everywhere. But I start to get this feeling kind of once it starts of like, I need to make sure to like show this stuff off because it looks so good. And I kind of start to feel a little competitive with people. Like I like love that we're the first one in our neighborhood to have our lights up. And I, I, Christmas all of a sudden kind of starts to get me to feel like I kind of need to put on my best. Like I've got to look great. I've got to have an outfit for every party. And I certainly have to like tell everyone that this was the best year of my life. And one of the ways we kind of do this the best is with the Christmas card. I don't know if you guys have worked on your Christmas card, but our, you, get, you never get a Christmas card that's like, this year was tough. Everybody's like, this was the best year ever. And I'm no different. Like, I just, I just finished our Christmas card a few weeks ago, and I was showing Andrew the Christmas card. I was really just asking his opinion about the design. And I said, what do you think about this? And he was like, yeah, the design's fine, but I don't know about that picture. And I was like, that's the picture we're using. And he was like, why? And I was like, because I look wonderful. It was literally the best picture I took in 2015, and it's the picture we're using. And he was like, I don't know if I look that great. And I was like, you look fine. I look awesome. <laughs> I look awesome. So this is the one we're using. Sorry, sorry, it's the one we're using. It, it was so great, and it is. It's such a cute Christmas card. But the truth is, is it in no way is a reflection of the year we've had. The truth is, is we've had a hard year. I've faced some of the hardest things I've ever faced in my life this year. That Christmas card isn't a reflection at all of kind of what we've been through, yet it's kind of what we do during this season. It's what this season kind of ends up being for us, is it's this time where we kind of shove down anything that's been hard or yucky for us throughout the season. We kind of just have to put on this front of like everything's great. We see people we don't normally see. We kind of have our story that we tell of like, this is the accomplishment I had this year. This is what my kids did. This is what I did. It's a lot of what Thomas talked about last week of we kind of just have to come out and put on this shiny front and it gets exhausting sometimes. It gets exhausting sometimes. It gets exhausting for me and God knows I love this stuff, but it gets exhausting for me because I start to feel like I'm just putting on this front for people and I start to feel like there's this competition. The truth is, is sometimes the holidays are hard. For some of us, this is a hard time. Some of us would rather go to sleep after Thanksgiving and wake up in January and just skip it all because it's hard and it hurts. Maybe you've lost someone this year and this is your first holiday season without them feels incredibly lonely. You see pictures on TV of families together and you think, I, I can't even think about that because my family is not gonna look how it's always looked. Maybe you suffer from anxiety or depression and the holiday season feels really heavy and scary for you. Maybe a year ago you said, this is the year of change. This is the year that I get out of that relationship, that I lose weight, that I'm going to get married, that I'm going to have a baby, that I'm going to get a new job, that I'm going to do this or that. And every time you look in the mirror, you're reminded that that didn't happen this year and you feel like a failure. Maybe this year you got a divorce. 
and your family is falling apart, your kids are mad at you, and you feel completely alone and completely broken. Friends, some of us don't see the holiday season as the shiny, perfect thing that our society makes it out to be. And if that is you, then Advent is for you. Then the scripture today is for you. Because the scripture today that we read talks about the people of Judah that everywhere they looked was darkness and despair and brokenness and anguish. They looked everywhere and they were broken and lost and completely without an answer. But when we get to chapter 9, verse 1, that first word is incredible. It says, nevertheless, This time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Even though you're walking in the darkness and this feels like a nightmare, that is not the end of your story. And that, my friends, is the hope of Advent. Is that Christ comes to us and says, I know that you feel completely hopeless and completely lost and completely in the dark and there's this tension in you because it seems that everyone else has their stuff together and you don't. And the truth of Advent is that God saw that we could never get our stuff together. We never could. We couldn't get our lives together no matter how hard we tried. So he saw it fit to to send his son to come to us and to say, you could never get it together, but I can stand with you in that darkness and show you a path of light and of grace, and I will stand with you in that, and nevertheless, this will not go on forever. Not the end of your story. That is what we can hope in in this season of Advent. I want to tell you guys a story about a guy I met last year. It was last April, and I was in Lubbock, which is where I'm from. I had been asked to go speak at a youth retreat that weekend at my home church in Lubbock. I had gone and uh, was wrapping up my talk on Saturday night and uh, was at the church and a student, the students had been dismissed and they were leaving to go back to their host homes for the weekend and a student ran downstairs to me and the youth pastor, a guy named Matt, and the student said, there's a guy upstairs and he is in trouble and he's freaking out and we need help. Okay, so Matt and I immediately ran upstairs and we went outside really unsure of what we were going to encounter. When we walked outside, I saw a young Caucasian man curled up in a ball up against the wall of the church. He was sobbing and he was shaking and he kept saying, I'm not dangerous, I'm just really scared and I didn't know what to do please help me. He just kept saying that over and over again. Against better judgment, uh, which I wouldn't say what I did is what everybody should do in this situation, but I'm going to blame the Holy Spirit because I really felt led by him. Um, I sat down right behind this young man, and I put, and I said, my name is Whitney. I work here at the church. It wasn't that church that I worked at, but I work at a church. And I'm going to put my hands on your back because I want you to know that I will be with you until you feel safe. And I'm gonna sit with you until you feel safe. I put my hands on his back. I kind of started to rub his back. Matt, my friend, sat on the other side kind of so they could face each other. 
As we sat there and I was rubbing this young man's back, we kind of began to hear his story. His name was James. James is 22 years old, is a student at Texas Tech University. He's married, and he had just recently returned from combat in Afghanistan, serving with the United States military. James suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder and had had an attack that night, a flashback. James was terrified from his flashback. He was also convinced that because of the things he had seen and experienced while at combat that he was going to hell. He didn't know what else to do, so he just showed up at a church. Friends, I, this was such a God moment because typically at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, you're not gonna have anybody at the church. Yet God saw that he should send James to collide with myself and Matt for God's glory so that we could all encounter the God of nevertheless. We walked James inside and ended up sitting down at our prayer chapel at my church in Lubbock. And as we sat there, James began to tell us of the like, horrors of the things he had seen while in Afghanistan. As he shared these things, I began to realize how unprepared and unable I was to step into this situation. I know nothing about PTSD. I know nothing about combat or military. My grandfather served in the military. That's it for my family. I was completely out of my wheelhouse. But as James shared, he started sharing with us that he felt this tension inside of himself because he had taken lives while he, was in, while he was in combat. And he had done it for orders or to protect himself or to protect others. And he, but a part of him felt like he had like died because of the things he had done and seen in Afghanistan. But then there was this other half of him that felt like he was exhilarated by it. And part of him missed it. He was just in this complete battle. Since this, I've talked to some folks and actually what that that is called as moral injury. It's something that a lot of folks who have faced combat deal with. They come back and kind of feel like there's a part of their humanity that might be broken. That moral injury partnered with post-traumatic stress disorder left James feeling completely alone, completely isolated, stuck. He was hopeless. He felt like there was nothing that could fix him he felt like he was doomed, and he said he, he felt like he wished he wasn't alive. As I sat there searching for something within myself, because all I wanted to do was fix him. I mean, that was like all I wanted to do was be able to like give him a magic pill or say just the right thing to fix him. I was searching through my head of what my arsenal of what do I have? What can I tell him? How can I fix him? What can I do? Just searching and searching and searching and feeling more and more hopeless myself because I had nothing to say except for I'm sorry. And in that moment, I was reminded of the God of this passage that says, James, you've been in the darkest of the dark moments that I do not understand. But I was able to look at him and say, but nevertheless, this time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. This is not the end of your story. 
because ours is a God of hope who comes to you and who will stand with you in the depths of your darkness and despair and will speak hope and light into you. He is the healer of our hearts and the healer of our very souls. And I could testify to that in front of James through the depths of my heart. I could tell him solidly that I trusted and knew that about our God. As I was sharing with him, I myself was ministered to so deeply because I needed to be reminded of the God of nevertheless. As we talked with James, uh, he began to kind of take a turn out of the pit he had been in and began to see that there was some hope. He could get help. There were others that knew what was going on. God began to do a, a mighty work in his life. The youth pastor, Matt, went and sat at the piano and started to play, and James began to cry out to God to rescue him. James began crying out to God through songs, simple songs like, Jesus loves me in amazing grace. We prayed over him and saw God moving in his heart and his life. And all of us were blessed being reminded of the hope that is found in the God of nevertheless. We were able to testify to James that ours is not a God that sits on the sidelines and waits for you to get your act together. And then as soon as your act is together, then he'll come in and y'all can hang out and be friends. But that is not our God, but that our God steps right into the depths of our darkness and despair. And friends, if that is you, if you are stuck in a in an area of your heart where you feel like there is darkness and despair, may I remind you that our God is a God that looks at that and says, nevertheless, this time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. We introduced James to some counselors and to some pastors and tried to get him connected with folks in our church. He, it was not a one-night fix. James is on a long journey, as each of us are, towards healing and wholeness. But being able for me to testify to God's grace and to see the indelible mark of hope on James's life and his story was something incredible and beautiful. Friends, that is my hope and prayer for you in this Advent season that you might be able to encounter the God of nevertheless, to know that no matter what it is that you are walking through, that he steps right into that and says, I have come to stand with you in this. This is not the end of your story. There is hope and his name is Jesus and he has come to stand with us. That is why Advent is the season for us. And that is why we can hope in Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we do ask, God, for your indelible mark of hope on our lives. We thank you for the beauty of Jesus and the truth that you stand with us in the depths of our darkness reminding us that you have brought us into the glorious light of Christ. Thank you, God, that you have redeemed all of those broken places and that we have a reason to hope and a reason to sing today. God, won't you remind us that you are the God of nevertheless. You are the God of even so. You are the God of despite all these things. Encourage our hearts today.
In Jesus' name I pray, amen.